I've had too much coffee. That third cup of coffee does it every time. I have to go out and walk out. The, th- the third one really pushes you over the edge. Yeah, I'm okay for two. <laughs> well, I am ready. I love this movie. I gave it a 15 out of 10. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll settle down. Maybe. Uh, when I, I'll settle down when I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason to settle down before then. No. All right, here we go. We're going to try to do this. All right, I, I am under control. Well, that was the opening music to 1937's production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And of course, it was produced by Walt Disney and it was released by RKO Radio Pictures. And uh, it was a huge, huge, huge success. I don't think we can underestimate or understate how big of a success this movie was for the time. Uh, And Bob, you can talk a little bit about that when we get to that. So uh, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews at www.classicmoviereviews.net. And you can find us on iTunes. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And do the same thing in Facebook, and you'll find us there. And I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from Seattle, where we're going to have some thunderstorms today. And I'm in uh, Los Angeles, this is Bob Johnson, and uh, we're going to have temperatures in uh, my neck of the woods, over 100 today, but I read in the morning paper that El Nino is on the way here, and this fall there's a 90% probability that we'll get a lot of rain, so maybe the drought will uh, be eased quite a bit with that. Except when it rains there, you just get tons of flooding, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it comes down so fast, yeah. Uh, so we have a new roof. Oh, good. <laughs> we want to we want to welcome everybody back. Uh, this movie is spectacular. I I've seen it many times, and I, I think one of the notes I made when I was watching it again is, what a fun, excellent, and wonderful movie. I just everything about it is is beautiful. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. And I for, I hadn't seen it in a while. I've seen it a dozen times probably, but it's been a it's been a while since I watched it and man, within the first 30 seconds I was just sucked into it and I, I just know. I wanted to go live in that world, you know. It's so beautiful. You know what one of the things I really like about it is the animation was hand drawn. I think they call it cell animation and it just gives it a rich natural uh, look and feel that with computer-generated cartoons and animation, I, I haven't gotten, but I think they're close now with the uh, t- technology. But it's just—it's like watching almost move, moving paintings. Oh, me. totally, totally. They—they they employed hundreds of uh, artists to do the paintings and the the line the line work on the drawings. And uh, interestingly, I'm not sure why, but most of the painters were women they would hand paint every single frame and it was interesting because the 
if you'll if you watch Snow White, she's got a little bit of like rouge or, or blush on her cheeks. And the women that were doing the painting used actual makeup. Like actual makeup that they would put on their face to oh. to do the rouge on Snow White's cheeks and uh, Walt Disney looked at that and said, "Well, that uh, you know, that's great. Just make sure you put it in the right spots on her face." And and the women looked at him and said, "Walt, we do this every single day. You think we can figure that out?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they were they were actually wanting to make her make her look more uh, warm and and uh, kind of three dimensional with that. And I think it works. It's so so great. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the financial success of the movie. I was going to just kind of summarize some of the background. You mentioned it's Walt Disney Productions, and he had an arrangement for distribution with RKO Radio Pictures, and then later Walt Disney did their started doing their own distribution. It premiered on <clears throat> on December twenty first, nineteen thirty seven, here in Los Angeles, at a theater that's no longer around. And when it was finished that night, they had a standing ovation. People stood up and and just kept wanting an encore, which is hard to do with a movie. <laughs> yeah. The budget for making it was uh, just about one and a half million dollars, which in the mid nineteen thirties was a huge sum of money. And the most recent figures I could find for its box office is four hundred and sixteen million, and counting. I I swear every five years they could re-release it in a double feature with you name it, Pinocchio or whatever, and bring in another $50 million. They uh, went through uh, the first million dollars of their, of their budget, and a lot of the Disney family fortune was tied up in this movie, and they basically ran out of, of money, and Walt went to the banks, and there was one particular person that had worked a lot with the film industry and, and uh, knew Walt, and he came in and watched some of the dailies and some of the work that they'd been doing on the animation and just said, this is going to be a huge success. How much money do you need? And gave him another half a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Well, I know he, uh, Walt, Walt Disney uh, put another mortgage or put a mortgage on his home. Yeah. to come up with some of the original money. I mean, he, he was all in on this movie and uh, totally, absolutely believed that it was going to be a huge success. I read a footnote on one of the internet pages that his brother Roy was not as enthusiastic about it because it just the money was going out and going out like in a flood. But Walt said, no, we're going to do this. Well, well I, I, always, I always got the impression that Roy was more of the businessman, kind of the, the yes. financial person, and, and Walt was more of the sort of the creative genius and so i'm not surprised i mean i mean sure i'm pretty sure roy was probably freaking out that all the money that they had was tied up in this movie they worked on this movie from 1934 until uh, it was released in 1937 there was a period where they didn't work on it in 1935 and i think that was probably when they were rounding up more money I, i read another thing that said a lot of people in hollywood called it disney's folly from the moment that Disney announced that he was working on a feature picture, people in the business thought, he's got to be out of his mind. So it became known as Disney's folly. We were told by all the big movie moguls in Hollywood that people just wouldn't sit still for an hour and a half of cartoons because the bright colors would hurt your eyes. Everybody get up and walk out of there. 
And other people said, you're going to have gags all the way? People get tired of it. Well, Walt was a better storyteller in that. He realized you had to have the pathos, the love scene, and the, and the gags, and the chase, and all of the regular things that make a good picture. If you think about what we talked about in the last episode, everybody's idea of what a cartoon was kind of fell into line with some of those shorts that we had talked about, and they were kind of goofy, they were weird, they, yeah. they didn't have a lot of dramatic uh, beats to them, they were more entertainment kind of for short bites before the main feature. And what Disney's genius was in this movie, I think, was to understand that you could do a full-length feature film if if you have the story and the dramatic beats that you needed to carry that story all the way through. And and I think he was such a brilliant person to see that. And if you look at like the sections with the tw- uh, <clears throat> the seven dwarves, those are kind of more like those uh, those shorts. They're kind of goofy. They're kind of silly. They're funny. But then you've got those sections with the the queen and you know and with Snow White and those are just as dramatic and scary as anything that has been in film. Definitely, uh, everything about it is is set up to be that dramatic part. Well, I read a couple of other things about uh, Walt Disney. He wanted the dwarfs to be kind of the comic relief in the film. And uh, the other thing I I noted in my notes that I sent to you yesterday that both Walt and Roy, after they heard the Disney's folly, probably had the last laugh all the way to the bank. We had a half a time getting enough money to finish Snow White. Six months later, we were sitting with all of our debts paid off with at least a couple million dollars in the bank. With the profits of Snow White, I built a studio. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen to this. Uh, this is what... Walt Disney's son had to say. Most of the public forgets, well, couldn't know they weren't there, that Snow White was as big a hit as Star Wars was, as Indiana Jones, as those kinds of movies, you know, just through the roof kind of movie. Uh, bigger than everything else put together that year. <laughs> it's astonishing. Especially when you consider that the average admission price at the time was about a quarter. So I did the math on that. That's like over 32 million tickets. That they oh sold. my gosh. Then he goes on to say that... I'm not sure when the first plans were drawn up for this lot that we're on now, which is over the hill from the Hyperion lot where Snow White was made, but we wouldn't be sitting here, certainly, you know, and physically where we are now, had it not been for Snow White. So it's just, it did, it changed everything for them. That's well, that's well stated. And uh, the uh, Walt Disney, the Disney headquarters is... Right there in Burbank, it's close. It's not that far from Warner Brothers or St. Joseph or uh, NBC Studios. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. And it looks brand new to me. I'm sure it's been around maybe 10 or 15 years or so. But Yeah, well, uh, let's see. A couple of other things about the uh, background. They had uh, six directors for it. There mm-hmm. was a lead supervisor director and then five others. And I wanted to mention, you know, you said... You didn't realize so many of the uh, painters and animators were women. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned that video of the uh, 105-year-old lady, Ruthie? Uh, I can mention her name because it was in the video. It was the opening announcer at a Dodgers game at 105 years old. She was the first woman that was in that area of, of Disney. She was an animator, painter. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's that's quite a history. 
then the uh, the music. I, the mu I love the music. I could I could listen to that all the time with hi ho hi ho. It's off to work we go and. Someday my prince will come and... That was fun. Now you do something. Well, what shall I do? Tell us a story. Yes, yes tell, tell us, us a story. story. A true story. A love story. Well, once there was a princess. Was the princess you? And she fell in love. Was it hard to do? It was very easy. Anyone could see that the prince was charming. The only one for me. Was he uh, strong and handsome? Was he big and tall? There's nobody like him. Anywhere at all. Did he say he loved you? Did he steal a kiss? He was so romantic. I could not My favorite whistle while you work. I often do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And another one I like is when they when Snow White says that they all need to go get cleaned up before dinner, and they're all looking yes. at each other like, "Well, we we are cleaned up." And she's like, "Well, when was the last time you washed up?" And they're like, uh, "Recently." <laughs> but then they go out and they have that song where they're getting cleaned up. I like that one too. Courage, man. Courage. Don't be nervous. It's wet. Oh, it's cold, too. We ain't going to do it, are we? Well, it, it, it'll please the princess. <laughs> I'll take a chance for her. Me, Me too. too. <laughs> her wiles are beginning to work. But I'm warning you. you give them an inch, and they'll walk all over you. Don't listen to that old warthog. Come on now, man. How hard do you scrub? Well, first and shrink. Get your hands full of water. You snort and you snuff and go. 
They were a, a fairly grungy bunch. I think it must have smelled pretty bad oh. in that cabin. <laughs> but she, she got with the program and cleaned it up. The uh, cast, um, just a few comments there. Adriana, oh, I forgot her last name, Garsh. Caseloth? Yeah, Caseloth was the voice of Snow White, and uh, Walt Disney wanted her not to do other kinds of programs so that her voice wasn't showing up other places. She did a few things, but not a lot. She's one of the Disney legacy people now that are commemorated at the uh, studio. And then Harry Stockwell was the prince, and his sons, you'll recognize Dean Stockwell? Of course. Is his yeah. son, and his other son, Guy Stockwell, both were movie actors. And then Moroni Olson was the magic mirror, and Moroni had a wonderful career. He was in Father of the Bride, Annie Oakley. So there were some people that went on to other work in film, but a lot of the people that did the voiceovers, I had never heard of. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know those people by name until you just told me. <laughs> so, did you read where uh, originally they they had a hard time coming up with all seven names of the dwarfs? Oh, they had like a list of like thirty names. That was yes. so funny. For Snow White, Walt wanted to create seven distinct individuals with names that echoed their personalities. Some of the names considered included awful. Hoppy, Weepy, Dirty, Cranky, Hungry, Sneezy Wheezy, Lazy, Snoopy, Goopy, Wistful, Soulful, Gabby, Blabby, Flabby, Crabby, Helpful, Tearful, Thrifty, Shifty, Nifty, and Big Ol' Ego. Some of those names are, are really... Funny now because they just wouldn't fit with, you know, Sleepy or Doc or... Yeah, we're so used to the names they ended up with. Uh, oh, another thing about the names, I, I, they, they translated this movie into, uh, like, dozens of different languages after it had been such a huge success in the U.S. And they re, they went back and they repainted the names on the ends of their beds so that they were in the native language. So they went oh. back and, you know, like there's Spanish and French and German and... Oh, my goodness. You know, all, you know, know just that. there were dozens of different languages that they that they did. Like I said in my uh, email, I love everything about the movie. The animation, the story, the color, the music, and, of course, especially the seven dwarfs. Do you have a favorite dwarf? I do, but I thought I'd ask you first. Um... Honestly, I kind of like Dopey the best. <laughs> so that was my pick. I wonder if that says anything about us. Uh, I don't know, but he's so funny, and he's uh, you know one of the animators had mentioned in that behind the scenes video that Walt would pay them five dollars for every gag that they came up with for the the dwarves to do, and uh, this one guy that was talking said he he had three gags in the movie. And five dollars at that time would be equivalent to like a hundred dollars today, so it's not a small amount of money. And one of the gags was when they're sneaking into the bedroom, and they see that there's somebody in the bed, and they kind of put their heads up over the end of the bed, and their noses kind of like pop over each, like boop 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 boop. That was one of the gags that he came up with. That was his his idea. There's if you watch for the gags, there's tons of different gags. The, they're wonderful. There. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again. They're all terrific, and 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 if if Walt Disney wanted them to be comic relief for the movie, 
that was a hundred percent successful. Well, uh, one other thing about the kind of the making of behind the scenes stuff, uh, they invented something in preparation for this movie called multiplane animation or multiplane right. photography, and this is where they give that real great depth of field to the scenes and they used it to really good effect to create that kind of sense that you're in the in the world like after snow white runs through the forest and the forest looks like it's reaching out to grab her and 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 pull at her and it looks like it's haunted and then she's laying there in the sort of the little glen and the lights the sunlight kind of comes back and the little bunnies come out they they they, they come in through the trees and then kind of focus on her. And, and that's such a great scene. And the other thing that they came up with was some special effects for the candlelight, where they really experimented a lot with how much of a glow they could put onto the candlelight and how the candlelight would affect the the colors around the candle. And it's, it's like a little thing that you don't notice unless you look for it, but it just adds, again, another this l- level of realism to the to the animation. I think those things are why when I watch it, it I love the way it was animated. It's, it, to me, it, it seems real. One of my favorite scenes is when the uh, dwarfs uh, are singing hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go, and they go across that log, and the lighting and the painting of the sky and the log. There's just enough, even in the, on the log, there are these little branches that have an ominous look to them. Yeah. It, oh, it, one of my f- the detail is just Yeah, speaking of the de- speaking of the detail, one of my favorite scenes is when we first meet the dwarves after Snow White falls asleep in in their cabin and it cuts to black and it's black for a good second, I'd say. And then it opens up and we're inside the cave and everything is sparkling like there's like a thousand sparkles happening and it's just like wow this is the most rich vein this is the richest vein of jewels ever you know, like, I know. why are these dwarves living in a little hovel you know it's like they must have one heck of a retirement <laughs> and they're putting away for and then as they're leaving uh they throw all their jewels into this uh kind of like safe and lock it up and dopey takes the key and then he starts to walk off with the key, but then realizes, oh, no, I need to put the key next to the door. <laughs> that's real secure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's dopey. You know? <laughs> yeah. That seems like something I might do. I wonder if there's anybody listening that hasn't seen Snow White. I mean, my guess is Probably no. not. I would just talk about some of my, like, a couple of my other favorite scenes. Um, when we first meet snow white and she's singing and the birds are flying around her. And then she looks down into the, the well and the way that they animated the water was so fascinating to me. I still don't know how they did that. It looks so cool and just kind of fascinated by how well uh, snow white was animated because this is the first time that a human figure was animated in a way that really felt sort of more realistic to me. Like, up until this point, the animations of human figures were more cartoony or just didn't quite nail it. But I think Snow White really did. Oh, definitely. This this changed the ball game. Like like his uh, grandson wrote, mm-hmm. it changed everything. It yeah. really did. And later, uh, animated films from Disney just built on that with Pinocchio, and and then they really re- reached their zenith with Fantasia in 1940. Well, and I think That's even amazing. like like Sleeping Beauty, I think they yeah. they did just a fantastic job in that one as well. 
Um, so another favorite scene of mine is when, uh, well, I talked about when we first meet the dwarves, uh, but I loved how the animals in the forest just took to Snow White. Like she was sort of almost like this magical being that had this way, this such a kind heart that all the animals would come and help her. And, you know, you could only ever get that in an animated film, but it just was neat to, to watch that. There's just so much joy in in how the animals react and respond to her. And and they uh, seem real, the and, animals. Oh, yeah, yeah totally, like, totally. It, it brought back a memory of uh, a movie from the 1950s, Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Where uh, Dr. Morpheus' daughter has lived an innocent life, and her friends are a tiger and deer, and they come up to her and she pets them. Right. She, that's, they took that from Snow White, I'm sure. Oh, totally, yeah. Just her, her innocence, yeah. Well, I was going to mention a favorite scene of mine uh, with the queen. First of all, the queen is, is uh, kind of scary, to put it mildly. But I love the magic mirror. Oh, yeah. That, that the whole, I think it's kind of a green, I don't know how they did that, but it must have taken hundreds of hours of drawing. And then his voice magic appears. Mirror on the wall. Who now is the fairest one of all? Over the seven jeweled hills, beyond the seventh fall, in the cottage of the seven dwarves, dwells Snow White, fairest one of all. Snow White lies dead in the forest. The huntsman has brought me proof. Behold her heart. Snow White still lives, the fairest in the land. Is the heart of a pig you hold in your hand? The heart of a pig, and I've been tricked. <laughs> and he's just—he's just aloof enough and smarmy enough to be like, kind of like whatever. I really don't care. Yeah, you're not the most beautiful anymore. <laughs> so live with it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's one of my favorites. I, I would say every scene with the queen is uh, is one of my favorites. Like when she does the uh, puts the potion together to transform herself into the old hag. Yeah. Wow, that was that was amazing. So well animated and just so you know beautiful and scary. Scary at the same time. I I think I probably saw this when I was I don't know eight or ten. And it was scary to me, maybe even younger. I, I can't remember exactly. It was in the 40s. Uh, but even when it was scary, I still knew it was going to have a good ending. And then I guess uh, maybe the last one that I... Pretty much every scene is my favorite, so we'll just put that out there. But I love the ending when Snow White and Prince the Prince are uh, kind of walking up that hill and there's this beautiful, beautiful sunset and the music is playing with the song, you know, and... And then this castle appears in the sky and and then it fades to that storybook and it says and they lived happily ever after and that's such a cliche now but I think if you put yourself back in 1937 
that what a wonderful way to end the film you know so yes. upbeat so optimistic i i i think the the same thing uh, i won't add any more scenes because i agree with the ones that you mentioned i wonder you know at disneyland here in orange county the castle at disney and then the logo of disney castle i wonder if that's kind of paying homage to uh, Snow White, the castle in Snow White. Snow White and I think Sleeping Beauty and yeah, it's uh, it, I think it, it's wonderful. It, it's weird, but when I was watching this movie, I got that same feeling I get when I walk through the gates at Disneyland. You know, like you're entering this magic world, you know, and, and, and you just kind of let your cares of the real world drop away and you can't wait to go see what you're going to see there and go explore and even at in my 40s i still get that feeling the same way that i did the first time that i went and i got that feeling watching this this movie and i i was surprised by that i was surprised how when i watched it i felt like i was eight years old again yeah it's 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 wonderful well obviously uh if i could go higher than 10 out of 10 i would but since that's our top i would (laughs) before we started the the podcast i said i'd give it a 15 out of 10 but (laughs) Yeah, probably can't score it that way. It's, it's a, I have. It's as near to a perfect movie as I think could be could be made. I give it a ten out of ten as well. Uh, that was our second animation in August. What's what's coming up for the uh, the next two? Well, we're gonna jump ahead by about thirty years, and we're gonna go a little bit weird with Yellow Submarine. All right, nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, and I've I've seen this movie in the theater and. And I enjoyed it, but it's it is definitely uh, different. It, it is. It makes me want to sing. We all live in the yellow, yellow submarine. Yeah. <laughs> Great music. That's a good choice. Great it music. Is. It's interesting that it was released in 1968. We might want to talk a little bit about what was going on in the world in 1968 and how that might play into this movie. Um, that should be an interesting discussion. And then we're going to stay on the weird side and we're going to watch Fantastic Planet which was released in 1973, and it's based on a French science fiction book. And it was, it was, it's a French uh, animated film. But it's, it's along the lines of just an absolutely beautiful piece of art, I think, in a way. And great story, some interesting music. So that'll be closing out our August animation festival. It's been fun, and then I believe uh, we move on into September with, uh, what did we say we were going to do, directors? No, silent films. Oh, silent films, that's right, silent films. So there won't be much dialogue coming through from the film. (laughs) Like none. None, yes. (laughs) It's silent. Except we'll have some music, because they do have Uh, the scores. Um, I'm looking forward to that. There's so many silent films, and a lot of them unfortunately have been lost because they were on that film stock that just doesn't last i forget the name of the chemical that deteriorates but oh that'll be good well thanks everybody for listening uh again this is classic movie reviews at www.classicmoviereviews.net and i'm matt johnson coming to you from seattle this is bob johnson in sunny los angeles wishing you all great movie watching
I was so tired yesterday. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> oh, poor baby. I do. I do. If I were there, if I were there, I'd give you a hug. Give you a hug. Life is hard. <laughs> when you're out late it? partying. <laughs> well, they were here and they didn't want to go home. I'm like, please. I'm old and tired. It's past my bedtime. It is. You're, uh, what was I going to ask you? Uh, so I had I had a very significant question. Now I forgot what it was. <coughs> oh well. Uh, the answer to your question is yes. I'm on my second cup of coffee. So oh, I'm on my third. Oh, I know. I've been up early. I had to get get a bunch of stuff done. Oh, I know what it was. I, John and I are going to be watching the Mackenzie break today I with Brian Keith. Never heard of it. I mean, it. Brian Keith is not going to be there. He was starring in the movie. Uh, okay, let's just be clear on that. <laughs> yeah, right. He's coming back from the dead. <laughs> He'll be there in spirit. I haven't seen it either, but uh, Brian was uh, John's best friend. And uh, so I said, well, let's watch this one because I've never seen it. It has. It's a World War II movie taking place in England. So. Oh, cool. Well, hopefully it'll be good. It's, it's nice that jo- you get to go over there and do that, though. That's cool. It is fun, yeah. He's his whole life like this. Like right now, he's watching. He has two different uh, movie festivals going on. One is horror movies, science fiction movies, and the other one is musicals. So when I talked to him yesterday, he had just finished Aliens three, and he was about to watch Annie. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a real well. You know, if you. If you mix it up like that, then you don't get too uh, depressed watching all the horror movies back to back. Oh, kidding! <laughs> I did that though. I, I uh, bought the uh, Blu-ray versions of all the Alien movies, and then I watched them all back to back. The director's cuts. Oh my gosh, that took a while, but it was it was great. How many of them are there? There were there's four in the original series. Oh, I, okay. I hear that they're making a fifth one. We'll see. I've only seen the first two. Which are both excellent. The next excellent two are movies. very different, but uh, also good. I like them. Is Sigourney Weaver in all four? She is, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, I am I am ready. I did a few notes yesterday when I was out at the fun. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. And I, forgot I, how, I, I forgot how engaging it is when you watch it, you know? Because I, I always wonderful. think I always think of the, the the goofiness of the Seven Dwarves, but then... You know, right from the get-go, it has the dramatic storyline, which just sucked me in. The evil queen. Yeah. Is that the queen that patterned, that uh, Angelina Jolie patterned her character after? No, so that was... Maleficent? No, that Maleficent? was... That was the, Maleficent was the, was the uh, queen in Sleeping Beauty. There were, there, all, the, all those queens were bad. But it's that you know that that movie Maleficent they turned it around to explain why she did you see that movie? No, I haven't seen it. That oh, it was it's so good. You really should watch it. Is it I, worth? Is it oh, worth it's watching? totally worth it. Yeah, it's it's really well done uh, with the sort of the computer graphics and making the world believable. But but bigger than that is just the storyline was was really excellent. I'll <clears throat> I'll watch it. Because I know it's on uh, demand here on our... Should we get started here? Oh, one uh, 
think. Uh, do you know how our viewership is doing? Yeah, it's up. I think it's at its highest that it's been. Um, wow. Let me see That's here. Great. I was just looking at it yesterday because that guy left a comment on the Facebook page. Six and a quarter, let's say. See, and then, and then, am I right? Like, if people look at or look, yeah, listen to the podcast on our website, that's an additional number, right? Yeah, that, we don't this number is sort know. of approximate. I would say that it's uh, whatever our real viewership is. It's probably higher than that. I would say seven to eight hundred, probably. Yeah, I would think so. That's great. Maybe we can do an ad for. Uh, Colon blow or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll I'll knock it off. Well, just before we get started, here's the com- here's the comment that he left. He said, "Oh, okay." It's he's from Norway, so greetings from Norway. Just wanted to say I love your show, and I hope you have no plans of quitting. How about a review of Torah Torah Torah? Question mark. Oh, that's a great movie. I think we should do that in October. We could put that into October. The uh, American and Japanese sequences were done by two different directors. There oh. was a Japanese director for the Japanese sequence, and guess what? An American director for the American sequence. The only thing about that movie, because I watched it a couple weeks ago, is some of the special effects during the Pearl Harbor attack are really excellent, and others are really cheesy. Uh, well, I could look past that. I wish that and somebody would go back and cut out the cheesy ones. You could tell their models. Yeah. They could have just but, used uh, archival footage. Well, I guess yeah. that was all black and white, though. There's some color archival footage. But there's but, color, and they could have changed it to black and white for that part. That's true. Oh, well. But anyway. We're a little punchy this morning. Yeah. 